Hi there everyone and welcome to the UCL Careers podcast. My name's Joe Budd and I'm a careers consultant here at UCL Careers. Today's episode brings you a Q&A panel session on the topic of journalism recorded during our media-themed week. You will hear from industry professionals working at the BBC, The Independent, PBS America and News Associates answering questions sent in by our current UCL students. You will hear their opinions on how to enter the sector, the value of undertaking master's study, how to stand out in your own applications and the importance of building relationships and how to go about that. So let's get into it. So I'll make a, a, a bit of a beginning. Uh, first of all, say hi. Uh, hello, my name is Colm. I'm a careers consultant in UCL Careers. But my job here today is actually just to give you a warm welcome. So a warm welcome from me to you. We have little spotlights on different areas, and this one is on journalism. And I am delighted by our guests that we have today. I'm actually quite excited. Um, but what I'm not going to do is because this is not a panel event. It's a Q&A session, purposely constructed, purposely named as well. It's not a panel interview where you're going to hear a lot from me at all, or nor am I going to give long introductions. And I'm going to hand over to my, my colleague, Maria, who will hopefully uh, be in, ready to, to take the first question. Is that right, Maria? I am. Thanks, Colm. Uh, welcome once again to our speakers and to our students. Um, I'm Mari from UCL Careers and I coordinate our skills programme. Um, without further ado, I'm going to go straight into the first questions because I know how tight we are for time. Um, so here we are. As I uh, shout out the questions to you, I will paste them into the chat box. Um, so the first question is, how do you start in journalism when you don't have a background in it specifically? If I could hand over to Lucy for that one. Hello, yes, um, this is a question I get all the time actually, and it really doesn't matter if you don't have a degree or a qualification in journalism yet. Um, I would say there's one really easy thing to do while you're all still at uni, which is get involved in student media. Um, student media is great, I know you've got a variety of student publications at UCL, one being Pi, um, you've got the tab, and I think you've got one called Savage, which is an arts and culture one. So definitely get involved in student media. Um, and then you can start pitching to other publications. So I'd be aware that, you know, with not loads of experience, you're probably not going to start getting your work published in the Times and the New York Times quite yet. But there are loads of online publications that accept pitches from sort of um, journalists with less experience. Um, I can share a link in the, in the um, chat in a minute to some recommendations that I have. And then coming along to events like this, going to lots of free workshops. But the most important thing, if you know for sure that journalism is for you, is there's a qualification called the NCTJ. It stands for the National Council for the Training of Journalists. It's actually what we teach here at News Associates, but it's known as the sort of industry standard qualification. It teaches you everything from sort of shorthand and media law to mobile journalism, digital journalism, SEO, data journalism, all that jazz. Um, you don't have to do it as part of your degree and um, you can do it as sort of a 22 week fast track course, a part time course alongside other work. Um, I can talk about questions about the NCTJ and News Associates um, and what we do. Maybe if you feel free to sort of connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter and stuff like that, just in case I'm taking too long answering this question. Um, but if you know for sure it's for you, I'd really look up the NCTJ qualification. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks so much. Would anyone like to add or build on that question before we move on? I can add a little thing. Hi, everybody. I'm Tommy. I was a UCL um, alumni in uh, 2018, so I feel uh, how you feel. Uh, and I would say two things to this. The first one is your ideas will get you stories and it'll get you attention in papers and it'll get you jobs. If you come 
to people with pitches. If you write pitches in your cover letters, if you approach people and give them a very quick elevator pitch on a story that you're really interested in covering and you say, oh, look, it would be great in your publication, then you're immediately going to get attention. If you offer your help generally, people aren't really going to give you attention, but they want ideas. Editors are always looking for stories. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, I would say, your niche. Um, I was, uh, I studied, I did a master's um, here in the US at um, Columbia, and I, there are a lot of people who didn't have any journalism background, but let's say they had spent 10 years as a teacher, and now they're education reporters, or they there were people who spent time as a personal trainer, and now they are bloggers on, you know, fitness and health. So journalism is about finding your niche, finding your, you know, your specific angle and using that experience to write about it. And people will be interested when you pitch those stories. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks very much. Uh, moving on to the next question. Uh, when finding work placements, internships, is it worth emailing organisations, editors, directly in addition to applying for advertised schemes or programmes? Richard, would you like to take that one first? Yeah, um, it's Richard Watson from Newsnight here. And um, picking up on the last question and this one in, in, in turn, really, this business is all about ideas, essentially. So feel free to email correspondents, producers, editors with your ideas, and you will live, live or die on the, the quality of the ideas in this business. Um, there is, just picking up on the last point, there is no ideal background for, for a journalist. It's more of a state of mind, really. I mean, I did, I did a master's in uh, science at UCL, and it's quite, a, quite in geology, actually. So it was quite a handbrake turn, read for me to go into journalism. And the way I did it was to start working for tiny, tiny magazines, reporting on geological issues, engineering issues. And from then I went to cover the first Gulf War and then you know, came back with big portfolio photographs and got into the BBC after that. So um, there's no ideal route into journalism. I'd say consider doing a master's. There are a couple of very good courses at, um, at City and Cardiff. It's probably worth doing one of those perhaps. But basic, the basic currency of journalism is ideas. And, and that comes with experience, but you need to be curious. You need to be open to ideas. You need to build contacts. And if you do that and try and find a, a mentor as well to help you out. Thanks, Richard. Would anyone like to add to that one before we move on? I would probably just say there's never any harm in sort of reaching out to other people. But I would also say if you're applying for a specific internship or job or work placement that's being advertised just make sure you do what it says to do in the application um so we you know for example at the minute we're hiring here and it says very clearly who to email for the job and people keep emailing me and i'm actually not the person they should be emailing and it's a little bit like oh we're hiring you for a job and you've not even actually read the job advert properly um so i think if you're reaching out in other ways um it's fine to sort of sort of test the waters but make sure if you're applying for something specific to do what they tell you to do in the specific application otherwise it just looks like you've not bothered to read it um it would be my top tip and also if you are looking for work placements try and find the name of a specific person try to not just email sort of news desk at so and so to whom it may concern um because one it's probably going to get lost these people get so many emails but two it's not actually hard to find the name of the right person and i'm way more a happier to apply to an email that says, hi, Lucy, directed to me. 
Um, so I'd say, yeah, make sure you find the name and the email address of the best person to contact. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks very much. Okay, so the next question is, where are the best places to look for entry level jobs in journalism? Ben, would you like to take lead on this one? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty basic, but LinkedIn is a great resource that you can use, um, not just for finding jobs, but for networking and for finding some of those names and faces that you'll want to reach out to. Um, I find Twitter and LinkedIn both great for connecting, full of journalists, full of people who are willing to be contacted. Like Lucy said, you know, no one's ever going to say no to a personalised email and a request. Um, and yeah, in terms of jobs, on there are just so many jobs um, on LinkedIn uh, at various entry levels. And the great thing about uh, the current time is that you can. Have, there's a lot of things that are obviously working from home or working remotely. So there's quite a, a lot more opportunity out there than just having to be, you know, in a London newsroom. Although obviously um, the experience is crucial, but at the moment people are being flexible, and I find that's quite good for a lot of people who are in different circumstances. Um, I find that on there is a good way of keeping track even when I'm happy in a job of, of what's going on and what's out there and what other people are um, looking for in the industry, what jobs they're hiring for. Um, and what's really key is looking at those job adverts and, and seeing what the skills are that are required and really setting about taking those skills off. Um, you know, I still do that. Um, you know, if something is occurring again and again in a job uh, requirement, um, and you don't really know what that is, or you're not quite good at it, work at it and, and figure it out or, or find a way to uh, explain how you do have those skills. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn would be my number one choice. Um, get on there, get networking, um, build up your profile with anything and any experience you've got. Um, but maybe some others of other, uh, other sites or ways to, to throw in there as well. Thanks, Ben. Thanks very much. Any other views on that one before we move on? That's okay. Um, I agree with everything Ben said. Um, there's also an organization called Journal Resources. Um, it's run by a girl called Jem Collins. Um, and I know loads of people do know loads of newsletters and I'm sure they're all amazing. But Jem sends out a weekly newsletter and it's full of journalism jobs. And she breaks them up into from sort of entry level, first, second job, you know, um, experience. And it's really, really good. And she only posts jobs who share their salary or at least a salary range, um, which is also really important. So I've just put a link to the Journal Resources website. They're amazing. They've also got loads of content on there about pitching and freelancing and networking and anything you can imagine. I definitely recommend looking at it. Thanks, Lucy. Just to speakers, I'm kind of throwing these questions out there at you, just how you're appearing on the screen. There's no structure to these unless the question is directed at you. Um, so the next one, Tommy, for you, um, I'm in my final year for my undergraduate studies. Would you recommend doing a master's in journalism or any other field? Well, that's an interesting question. I would say uh, people who have done a master's would say it's necessary and people who haven't would say it isn't. So it's obviously very divided and there's no particular route into journalism. I personally really enjoyed my master's because it was an opportunity to learn video production, so to learn, you know, how to shoot. They have really good resources to really great cameras that I would just have not been able to access otherwise. The, the other great thing about masters is that you can fail. You can learn to fail and you can screw up and it's not going to be the end of the world. In most newsrooms, if you screw up, 
it will you know result in a formal complaint or it you might even get fired so you'll just get shouted at by your professor if you don't hand something in on time whereas you know if you don't hand in a segment at the where i work at the at pbs news hour you know it goes to air at 6 p.m every day and there's no excuse for not getting in a certain video or a certain segment so it'll give you a year to or kind of a few months if you're taking the nctj to experiment uh and to take a whole load of courses take you know courses in open source intelligence or in data journalism things that are you obviously can you know learn in your spare time there are obviously youtube uh videos for just about everything but it'll give you a good chance to learn these new trick uh you know kind of uh skills but then also build a community and as someone was saying before journalism is all about networking when you're in a pool with you know a hundred other journalism students it's really inspiring because you can you know share ideas with each other you can pitch each other you can hang out and go for drinks together and at least like you're in a community and that is a really important kind of incentivizing factor thanks tommy thanks very much any other comments on that one before we move on uh, i was just going to say yeah i i think that's absolutely right there are two routes into the business basically i mean i think a master's is quite useful to do because it gets you video skills but it's important to say at the moment, the barrier to entry into the profession is, is probably the lowest, lowest it's ever been because you can keep yourself up with a camera that is vaguely broadcast quality, a microphone and a recording device, hard drive recorder of a radio. So the, the barriers to entry are quite low. What you learn at uh, doing a master's obviously or, or, or a NCJ course is you learn about the law, which is pretty essential and as I think Tommy was saying before, you don't really want to make a mistake on the job on that. You want to actually try and learn that beforehand. But there are other ways in. You know, you don't have to do that. And as I said before, it's all about the quality of your ideas. But if you do go in with a really, really good idea, then it's important to work with someone trustworthy who can teach you about how to go about the journalism in the right way. And the other thing I'd say very briefly is you, journalism is really a state of mind. So you need to expand your um, circle of influence, if I can put it like that. You need to be talking to taxi drivers, shopkeepers, friends, relatives, and you've got to have your story filter on at all time. So just a very brief one. I got contacted by a friend. She said she was the victim of a terrible racist attack. The police hadn't investigated properly. That turned into a big investigation for Newsnight. So that's the kind of thing you need to do. Yeah, I just mainly wanted to echo what, what Tommy and Richard have said, really. Obviously, I'm very pro the NCTJ and believe it's a really great way into the industry. Um, media law, being what Richard said as well, is a real sort of tick box when you're applying for jobs. But I wanted to echo mainly what Tommy was saying about sort of networking and the amount of people that you'll meet in any course, whatever you do. Not only are you meeting your cohort, you're meeting the, the staff that work there who are probably trained journalists, hopefully. Um, and you're also getting the alumni of all of that course as well. I think we've got a couple of UCL alumni on this panel and it kind of proves that. And, you know, we, our News Associates alumni are always happy to help, whether it's sort of grad schemes um, that they've previously done or if they're now at the point where they're hiring, they come back to News Associates trainees. So I think the networking is a really important part of doing any course that you do is that you meet so many other people. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks very much. The next question is for Richard. 
Um, could you share how the process of conducting investigative journalism from first choosing a topic or issue to conducting research, et cetera, is for you? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a case study probably. Um, it was the case I referred to just a few moments ago. So the first thing to do is identify a story that's going to make real, a real difference. And the great, the great beauty of this job is you have the power to change things if you pick the right story and you can, you can follow it correctly. So investigations are amazingly expensive because they take a long time. So it's very important to select the right story. So when I was approached by the woman who said that she was the victim of a racist attack and the Met police had failed to investigate it properly, uh, first question is, well, is this story capable of making a real difference? Yes, it is, because it's clearly a racist attack and the Met should be doing much better on that post Stephen Lawrence murder in 93. Second story, second thing to think about is, okay, well, how do I do this? And so you need a strategy right at the beginning of the investigation. So on this particular um, uh, investigation I did for Newsnight, um, I worked out straight away that the way to do it would be to look at how the police actually investigated and then take it to a very senior former police officer to get his or her advice, his in this case, about how it should have been done. So you have an objective benchmark so you can test, so I could test how the Met did behave with how they should have behaved. And that ended up into, into a big investigation for Newsnight. And this is why I say you have the power to change things because I'm pleased to say that as a result of that investigation, the police had to formally apologize to the three women and to reopen the case. And they've now arrested someone. And today, I'll be on Newsnight tonight talking about this. Today, they've actually charged someone and that's the power of the media for you. If, if, if you're going to pitch an investigation, you've got to pitch it with some evidence. You've got to have some hard evidence to go on, whether that's a confidential source, someone who's telling you what's going on, or some documentary evidence. It's no, it's no good really just pitching an idea as an investigation, because the first question I would ask is, well, where's the evidence? Where is the potential evidence we're going to get? You, know, we're going to get? you have to have a strategy of how you're going to get it and preferably a source who's telling you what to do. I mean, the classic way to do investigations is you're told off the record from a confidential source what's going on, and then you try and stand that story up on the record by speaking to other witnesses or getting documentary evidence. Thanks, Richard. Thanks very much. Okay, moving on to the next question. Um, ben, if we could head over to you for this one. Is there anything you wish someone had told you at the start of your career? Gosh, um, well, A, it wasn't that long ago, but B, I don't think I can remember. Um, I suppose the real thing to learn is to always be uh, flexible in, in this industry. I know obviously some people will get into this industry wanting to do specific things like um, investigative stuff or maybe they want to do video stuff or whatever it is. But I find that the real success, particularly at the independent, um, are people who are coming in and not only doing a number of things themselves, i.e. traditional reporting, um, a little bit of video, a little bit of photo, um, but they're also speaking to myself and others on the audience team about how best to employ social media, how best to employ SEO, um, and the people who ask those questions and keep wanting to learn and adapt to where the industry is going and where the telling of stories is going um, are the people who are probably gonna do best and have been doing best. So I would say um, keep evolving with the job. Yes, let me reformulate this. What do I wish someone had told me is that journalism and media just keeps changing all the time and you should be changing with it. Um, you know, I mean, 
for example, I do a job now, which didn't exist 10 years ago when I graduated from UCL, um, barely existed five years before. Um, it's been constantly evolving. Um, and so, yeah, always be aware that that's a thing. Thanks, Ben. Any other comments from the other speakers before we move on? I suppose I'd say, don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Um, it's really easy to hide behind an email. They're also really easy to delete. Um, I know that people go on work experience and they're really scared to pick up the phone because you think everyone in the newsroom is listening to you. I can promise you they're not. They are so busy with what they're doing. Um, so please don't be afraid to pick up the phone. You'll get so much further than you ever will with an email. Thanks, Lucy. Lucy, we'll stay with you for the next question. Coming into the chat box now, were you ever unsuccessful when applying for a role and what did you learn from it? Um, is it really bad if I say no? I'm quite young. Um, <laughs> um, I think if I could answer that in a slightly different way, if that's okay from what I've learned from other trainees is, um, even if you get so far in an application in a role that you decide maybe that you don't want or isn't right for you, just keep going with it. Um, you don't have to take it. You can turn it down at the end. Or even if you think one part of an application went really badly, and you don't want to carry on. I'd really suggest just carrying on. You'll learn so much. Um, and even if it is through not getting it, hopefully you'll get feedback. Um, but if, it, if it's a job you're maybe not that passionate for, but you might as well learn the mistakes in that one. So then you're better at the next assessment say you do or the next interview that you do. Um, so I, in a slightly different question, my answer would be um, don't give up. Just keep getting to the end of that application because you'll learn so much from it. Um, but sorry, I can't be a huge amount of help with that one. That's great. Thank you so much, Lucy. Any other comments for that one? Yeah, I, I, I'll say something on that. Um, basically, uh, you've just got to keep going because I, I did a geology at UCL, the master's. And after I came back from traveling for a while, it took me 18 months to get my first job in journalism. And I was writing loads and loads of applications being turned down by loads and loads of people who quite understandably said, well, you know, you've got no experience to know what you're doing. And eventually I was taken on by this tiny geological magazine, which gave me a sort of way into the business, basically. So don't give up. You just got to work really hard. It's about it's a bit like doing a journalistic story, actually. When I first started in journalism, there's no absolute um, magic to this. I used to categorize stories as either 20 phone call stories, 40 phone call stories. If it's a really difficult one, it's a hundred phone call story. You know, you just got to work really hard and the same, same with applications. On that, I would say, don't take a rejection to heart. I can personally say I've been rejected from tons of jobs, but firstly, I've forgotten all about them. I can't even remember any of the ones I was rejected from. And also sometimes you don't even know because you don't even get a response because uh, a lot of people are very busy in this industry and they don't want to dignify you with that. That doesn't matter because the reality is if you're applying for say an internship at CNN, you're going to have a thousand applicants applying for say five positions, something crazy like that people are not going to even have time to read the applications. So it's not like they've looked at you and they've thought, oh, okay, no way. It's sometimes just a matter of luck, whether you get something or whether you don't. Um, that's why I would suggest um, as always with applications, it's important to have a name who you contact at the organization that you're interested in working at, because if you apply for a generic email or if you apply through a system, you're going to get kind of, you know, you're just going to get pushed into this giant pool 
where your application might not even be found. So it's always important to use LinkedIn, as Ben was saying, to kind of reach out to someone and possibly someone who works in HR to say, like, can you put my application aside? I'm really interested in this. I've spoken to you. And that is very important to have a name at an organization where you want to work. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks very much. We'll move on to the next question. I know we're going into the last 15 minutes. So if we stay with you for the next one, um, what experience or skills could you could make my CV stand out and how any tip and how any tips on how I can gain these? Um, well, I would say uh, journalists these days have to be, you know, we every, you know, jacks of all trades, we have to learn how to not only research, report, but also how to pitch. In my case, I, you know, have learned how to shoot and how to edit and how to even use um, kind of like do graphic design, which I've had to pick up in the last uh, few months through like YouTube, um, because that's a really important way to make graphics for the, um, for our show. So I would say, don't be afraid to pick something up on YouTube and kind of add that to your list. And the way to do it um, for shooting, I saw a question about how do I get experience in video production? I would say email people, email, you know, people of um, shows that you've seen or kind of like journalists on Twitter and say like, you know, can I possibly accompany you on your shoot? Can I, you know, shadow you for a day? I remember when I was, at uh, my in my final year at UCL, I think around the time that we're at now, and I was kind of panicking about where I was going to go and what I was going to do, and I sent out an email to um, this BBC presenter called Ben Zand, and I didn't get a response for like a year, and I was like, oh well, I forgot I even emailed him, and then a year later he said, oh actually, Tommy, I just picked up your email. Do you want to be an assistant producer on my short documentary? Uh, your name just got totally lost on my email. And that was my first proper experience around like working with, um, working on a shoot and working kind of like behind a camera. And I was working with a director and I was kind of taking notes from him. So it's always, you know, that email will sometimes, you know, make a huge difference. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks very much. Uh, any other comments on that one quickly before we move on? No. Okay, cool. Next question, if we head over to Ben for this one, everyone says how important it is to have built relationships with editors. If you want, if you want your pictures to be read, what's the best way to do that these days? Yeah, I mean, that's very true. Um, I often find quite a lot of people who follow me on social media and stuff will message me and say, oh, who should I email about this? Who should I email about that? And yeah, the ones who've been most successful, obviously I write back and say, this is the email for the culture editor or the foreign editor or whatever. Um, but it's kind of up to them then to go and build those relationships. Um, and sometimes I see that it's worked out. I see someone's name cropping up again and again or whatever. Um, I think establishing yourself uh, as a writer or a, an expert on whatever it is that you're writing about, if someone knows, oh, you know, that guy writes really good stuff about uh, you know Italy or oh yeah that girl's really good at writing about something over there um, then they might keep you on tab um, build relationships with people who are editing sections and topics and things that you want to be a part of and just really kind of anchor yourself on the edges of that world that little mini world is what I would say is the best thing to do um, and kind of going back to what Lucy said yeah the personal relationship is really good do pick up the phone 
do send a little DM or a message or something that's not going to get washed away in the tide of emails. Because let me tell you something, there are so many emails that come into those generic email addresses. It's really not worth your time. Um, So I think making a personal connection with someone and people are kind. Look at people who do something that you want to do or who are editing in places you want to edit in and just ask them, what should I be doing? What do you look for? What actually, you know, find out if you're wasting your time or find out if there's an opening. And if there is, take it and build on that. Thanks very much, Ben. Thank you. I'm going to move on to the next question, try and get as many in as we can in the last 10 minutes. Um, Richard, if you'd like to go with this one, uh, what advice would you give to students at university wanting to get into journalism? What can we do to stand out and develop our writing voice? Two things. Uh, my overriding piece of advice really would be just to be super curious and use your own personal life and contacts wherever you can. I mean, it, journalism is a state of mind, as I said before, you need to get into the habit of viewing the world as a potential story in a way. How might this be a potential story I could follow? And you'll come across lots of stories in your everyday lives. And if, you, if you're curious enough, you're talk, you know, I always talk to taxi drivers, find out what's bothering them, talk to uh, you know, people who are on zero hours contracts, for example, which is an obvious story to do. So I, I, it's, it's kind of state of mind really, and you need to look at everything as a potential story. That's not in a, a kind of cynical way, but it's just, if you're in the business of telling stories, you've got to work out which ones you want to tell, because it takes a lot of effort to, 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 to write a piece or to make a film as I do. And so you've got to make sure you're focusing in on stories that really matter. I mean, personally, I do a lot of social justice journalism. And so I would say, if there's something that's really concerning you, or something you think is manifestly unfair, research it, make phone calls, speak to people, develop contacts. So it's a de- developing a passion for it is, is pretty essential. Thanks, Richard. Thanks very much. Any other comments on that before we move on? I feel like I've kind of already answered this question when I was talking about student media earlier, so I won't dwell on that. But what I would say is read, consume, watch journalism. Um, the more you consume, the better you will be and the better writer or producer or videographer you will become. Um, And then also just on top of that, obviously Richard mentioned, good journalism is expensive, it's not cheap. Um, So if you can sort of buy a newspaper, whether it be the Independent or the Times, every once in a while, you should probably try and contribute to the career you wanna go into and it will help you because the more you read, the better you will write. Thanks Lucy, we'll stay with you for the next one. Uh, Going into the last five minutes of the session, I'm a researcher and PhD student at UCL considering a career in science journalism after finishing. Is this a feasible path and how should I go about it? Yeah, it absolutely is a feasible um, a feasible job. Um, I have a geography degree, sort of in the disclaimer of us. I don't think any of us have journalism degrees by the sound of it. Um, we have lots of people on our courses who want to go into science journalism, um, but I think you just need to take a step back. And for most careers, um, most employers just want you to be a journalist, first and foremost. And if you come with the expertise in other fields, whether it's science or finance or business or showbiz, whatever it may be. But I would just say, first and foremost, be a journalist and then understand that your first career probably won't be in science journalism, but actually a year or so as a reporter on the ground and really good skills for any form of journalism. So I would just say, just try and be a journalist first and foremost. You've got the education to be a science journalist. So you don't really need to work on that bit anymore. You need to work on becoming a journalist and then you just combine those passions. 
hopefully that makes sense. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks very much. Um, anything to add to that one before we go on to the next question? Well, yeah, I just say that being uh, doing a PhD is in a way an ideal background for a journalist in many ways, because one thing, especially in the kind of journalism I do, you need to be develop a skill at is assessing data, assessing arguments, presenting arguments. And if you're, if you're doing that in your academic life, then that's going to be a real benefit. In fact, any degree, to be honest, is absolutely fine for doing that because it teach, teaches you critical thinking and how to assess evidence. But I, I'd say doing doing a postgrad in at UCL is is a great way to be a journalist. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Richard. Um, if we can stay with you, uh, the next question and and the, the question following is directed at you. So the next question in is the path to investigative journalism different to journalism? And then we have a question: if someone hasn't hasn't done a proper investigation before and isn't backed by media outlet, how could he or she know what is and what isn't allowed? Uh, first question, is it, is it um, investigative, you know, what, what's the difference between investigative journalism and normal journalism, I suppose? Um, essentially, it is a continuum. I mean, it, all, all journalism should be trying to shed new light on the world or m much new journalism should be trying to shed new lights in the world. I mean, it's, you know, that old cliche about telling something someone doesn't know is out there kind of thing is, is kind of true. And, you, you, and as, as Lucy says, you need to consume a lot of journalism to know what's out there in the public domain. Because if you're pitching stories, it's going to be a lot stronger. If you're pitching a totally fresh angle on something or totally a, a fresh story that's going to really make waves. So you really need to know what's out there to make that judgment. An investigation is, is in a way a, just a much more difficult um, piece of journalism than a normal piece of journalism because then you're really trying to dig out information which is totally hidden from, from the public it's not in the public domain you're relying often on confidential sources I've done a lot of un undercover work for example which is a very powerful way of getting uh, evidence that you need for, for big investigations but so I would say it's definitely a continuum they're part of the same story but investigations require certain skills what was your second question I've forgotten Sorry, it's if someone hasn't done a proper investigation before and isn't backed by a media outlet, how could he or she know what is and what isn't allowed? It's a good point. I mean, there, there are lots and lots of pitfalls. I mean, when I was doing an undercover investigation into um, fraud, I had to junk a whole section of my investigation because my undercover operator started asking really, really leading questions. And if you're doing an investigation like that, you've got to almost assume that all this stuff is going to come out in court potentially one day. And the defence barrister will cross-examine you about this and say, well, that question was totally leading. It wasn't neutral at all. So there's, there are lots of pitfalls. So I would say that before doing your own investigation, um, you either need to learn how to do it. Preferably, if the story is good enough, you take it to someone who is an investigative journalist already and if the story is good enough, they'll do it. Like, like if you come to me with a really good story, then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll help you with it. I'll do, I'll do it with you. Um, but the story has to be really, really good, obviously, because the, the benchmark for Newsline Panorama is very, very high. But a good discipline I'd recommend you, because I see a lot of people who come to me with stories and they, they write reams and reams of stuff. And it's never, you know, I, A, I haven't got time to do it, and B, it's not focused enough. It's a good discipline to try and summarise your story in two or three paragraphs max. If you can't do it, there's not really much of a story there, actually. 
Thanks, Richard. Thanks very much. Um, I'm going to very quickly squeeze in one last question um, in today, and I think this is going to be the last one of the day. Um, Tommy, if you wouldn't mind answering this one for us, how do you set yourself apart from other applicants or, sorry, other applicants for internships or jobs, etc.? I would say, as I've mentioned before, find a niche. You need to, uh, in your cover letter, you need to uh, explain yeah, why you're different. And that is say, you know, you've got to be a journalist, but you've got to have something else. You can be, you know, interested in economics or you can be interested in education or you can have a language. I speak Spanish, so that's been hugely important for my reporting in the US because, you know, Spanish is such a huge language and a lot of people don't speak English. Uh, as well. So it's um, a good way to kind of get people's trust. Uh, so I'd say languages are hugely important, especially if you want to do uh, foreign reporting. Um, and I would say also in the cover letter, which is hugely important, you should craft a narrative. You should be telling a story about yourself and that will engage people. If you're just, you know, writing down a list of kind of your skills, that's not compelling to read. That's not compelling for the HR person who's got to read a hundred others. You've got to say why you are fit for this role and kind of construct a narrative around, you know, why you are um, suited. Thanks, Tommy. Any other final comments from our speakers before we end today's session? I, I would just say um, pursue the career in journalism if you can. It's a brilliant job. You've got the power to change things. It's a very good way and insane way of Make your living, so uh, aim high. Thanks, Richard. That brings us to the end of the session. So once again, thank you to our speakers, to Richard, Tommy, Ben and Lucy for giving us your time today. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you found the format of this panel session interesting and hopefully some of your own questions were answered along the way. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on the UCL Careers podcast.